Hey everybody, it's Dave here, Darren over there. Welcome to this Saturday, week one of the college season, official week one. And if you're watching college football and taking time out to watch us, we appreciate it greatly. I'm sure there's some kick-ass games going on. I want to congratulate Drewster on his first victory of the season. And Ted is watching his Ohio State Buckeyes do the same. Congratulations, boys. The Texas Longhorns are playing here. Can I watch it? No, it's only on Longhorn TV this week. So, oh well, stuff happens. But we're not here to talk college football. We're here to talk Minnesota Vikings. And with that, we have three themes today. Our first one is the Vikings 53. Cutdowns were made by Tuesday at 3 o'clock Central. As per NFL dictates, there were some trades. There were some cuts. There were some surprises. There were some unconventional things going on. We're going to discuss those here in a little bit. Then in our second theme, we're going to ask is who's going to start at defensive end opposite of Dalvin Tomlinson? The One of those moves and trades that Quasi made was to get rid of Armand Watts and trade for Ross Blacklock. Is he the starter? We'll see. And then our final theme is, how do you like Quasi now? It was absolutely a fun week. Full of trades, different things going on. Absolutely, some of it we didn't expect. Some of it we did, of course. And uh, it was wild. Why did he do what he did? We'll discuss those today, right after this. Climb in the pocket, Baby Norseman and Lake Monster Brewing presents Two Old Bloggers. Hey everybody, it's Dave here again, Darren over there. How are things up in the Great White North, Darren? Enjoying a beautiful Labor Day weekend here, David. It's going to be going to be nice, uh, So, uh, but uh, I'm more thinking, even though it's nice to have the day off on Monday, I'm really, really... All my thoughts, or most of my thoughts, are about Vikings on next Sunday. <laughs> and, and as most people know, we start next Saturday with our pregame shows. And next Saturday should be a good one. So we will get to that. Now, let's get on with the show. And for today, we name the show Scroll, Scroll, Scroll. How do you like Quasi now? This will be our overall theme of today. And it's a good question because uh, some of the unexpected things that have happened. You can't uh, say that Quasi hasn't been working hard, David. That's nope, one cannot thing say that. <laughs> yes. No. All right, on to theme one. All right, Tuesday, he set the roster. And I'm going big screen here. I know the lettering's small. Sorry, people. It is what get it out is. Your, get out your bifocals or whatever. Yes. 
But here is the roster. And you can see I've got it divided by who's on the team, then the practice squad, and those that were cut. If you want to see this as an image in detail, let me know, and I will post it to Daily Norseman tomorrow. And I think he even color-coded it uh, like um, like last week, where like like uh, didn't you, don't you have like who we had making the team and who, mm-hmm. yep. who had making the team? There are different, yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, that was. Uh, thanks for doing that. That's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it made it easier to see if you could see it in one spot. And like I said, if you want it, I'll post it on Daily Norseman tomorrow so you can look at it in detail. First things first, uh, getting down to the 53, the biggest surprise cut seemed to be of this man, Mr. Armand Watts. Armand Hammer Watts. And Drew just said, I want T-shirt of the day. And it's like even color coordinated, Jimi Hendrix experience. Are you experienced? So thanks for noticing, Drew. Hendrix was Hendrix was is was and is the man. But anyway, uh, yeah, Armand Watts. Like, like fifty Vikings had to get down to the final fifty-three on Tuesday, three p.m. Central Time. Uh, they did so. Uh, you and I took a crack at who we thought were going to make the the Vikings team and who was not. Last week we got a lot right. Uh, we got some wrong, uh, and there was some unexpected, a couple of unexpected things, and this was one of them. This was probably the biggest surprise to me, a bit of a shocker that Armand Hammer Watts, who we both had been one of the starting DEs for months, and we find out he gets cut, waived on Tuesday. Shocker. Um, we're like, what's going on here? <laughs> you know, like, what are the Vikings doing? And then it was actually Ted had mentioned on the Gallhorn site, he said, Everybody, this is a move to make a move. So let's wait and see what happens. And the move that they made was trading for Ross Blacklock, um, and, and we to replace Armand Watts basically on the roster anyway. Um, but big of a big surprise because uh, Watts was a guy. Uh, he had a pretty good 2021, uh, five sacks, um, and. Uh, and, you know, uh, I think he had nine tackles for a loss, uh, 26 years old, still on, on the last year of a pretty reasonable rookie deal. But the Vikings just got rid of him, waived him, and they replaced him with a guy or they on the rosters, roster spots, replaced by Ross Blacklock. Disappointing in two years with the Texans. Only started two games there. Last year was better than his rookie year, which was a bit of a disaster on the field-wise. And if you look at... Um, and if you look at their pro football focus grades, again, not gospel. I think we have to say this every time, but at least it gives us you know, a little bit of an idea of what these players may have, how they may have performed the last year. Uh, Armand Watts' grades the last two years are far better than Blacklock's. So, uh, you know, why did the Vikings do this? Um, you know, really, a lot of it might just be my theory is that uh, Ed Donatel wasn't really impressed with Armand Watts in his run defense and setting an edge. And uh, and so he decided we need somebody better on that side than Armand Watts. I don't think he was really like the. It didn't feel that Watts was a good fit for a three-four as a as a DE. Uh, Watts is a better fit as an interior pass rushing defensive tackle. And now he's been 
picked by the Bears and will be facing us twice, and they've gone from a 3-4 to a 4-3. So uh, I think I think that, you know, Ed Donatel felt Watts is not a good fit for the defense I'm running. Uh, I'm going to – I like this Blacklock kid. We've got an opportunity to get him. Let's bring him in. Um, what I was I thinking think- – that's, yep. that, that's all quite possible, and we'll get into further depth into the theme, too, too as to why Blacklock, uh, Bullard, Watts, why they are, who they are, where they're placed, and all that, and how Ed Donatell wants to use them. But one of the possible reasons for this trade is to free up cap space. In the process, I know you're sitting there shaking your head. In the process, by removing Watts, that was almost $2.5 million off the books. Now, gaining Blacklock, the net is only about $1.4. Right now, the Vikings, as it sits per OTC and uh, uh, Sport Track, are anywhere between 3 and $2.5 million available in cap space, which is really, really, really close. Yeah. Um, that doesn't give you any sort of basically rainy day fund. And it also precludes any trades without renegotiating other contracts um, coming up in the future. But it's really, really close, and it bought them space. That was my first impression when I heard the news that it is a money, more of a money move than a quality of player move. It may be that the players, whether it be Blacklock or Bullard, play better in this scheme than Watts may have. But I think I thought the motivation was more money generated. I may be wrong. Who knows? But I do think it was at least part of the consideration. Yeah, Dave, I would... You're probably right, and that was a combination of things. The fact that they could save a little bit on the cap when the cap space is tight it doesn't hurt. I just I don't feel that that could have been like the the overriding factor because you know just over right. one million doesn't seem like enough to get rid of a guy who is a promising player who I think had more to I felt had more to to give as a player, but um, he, he's gone. The, the thing that was also puzzling besides the fact that they cut him was well the fact that they cut him and and didn't think he was you know uh 53 worthy was uh that like armand watts i think considering the year he had last year he must have i would feel that he would have some trade value a guy like that and they just let him go and they didn't get any compensation for him at all meanwhile we're trading and we're not trading away much we're trading you know seventh rounders and then we get a seventh rounder and we trade that but i you know i just felt we could have got yeah. years out yeah mm-hmm. yeah I, I felt the end Three. and who knows what will happen we one or two years out you can with the amount of horse trading that goes on in the later rounds you probably get that back anyway by trading back or trading you know free agents that get signed by other teams you'll get a compensate compensate compensatory pick in the seventh round blah 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 but yeah i just felt that it was kind of weird that that watts who's a quality player uh did they maybe they tried and they couldn't get anything for him i just kind of find that hard to believe that some team like the bears you think would have even given up mm-hmm. a sixth a fifth something for for armand watts and we got nothing for him and well, then ended that- up trading away trading away assets you know draft capital to get blacklock uh, so uh that was does that indicate maybe a last 
second decision and not enough time to generate trade interest? It, it possibly does, Dave, because yeah, like if 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 it was if they made the decision at two thirty p.m. Central Time, and and you got three p.m. is when you got to get down to fifty three. That gives you half an hour to get work the phones, and maybe you can do that in the draft uh, when everybody's there. But maybe it's not so easy when everybody's got cut, cut down day, and they're trying to get figure out who they're keeping and not keeping, and they're busy waving guys and just who like gonna crazy. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, you're right. I didn't think about that, but but so there was that. Uh, so Armand Watts surprise, less of a surprise, but still a surprise was the other main cut was Emir Smith Marset getting cut. Um, you know, I felt that he'd looked pretty good in preseason. He's really improved compared to where he was last preseason, when where he was pretty much useless, and and. Uh, it was looking like he was going to be our starting punt returner. You know, I felt pretty good about where he was as a wide receiver, not so much where he was as a punt returner. Um, but, you know, but after they made the Jalen Rager trade, which was a surprise itself, they, uh, you know, they made the decision to get rid of Amir Smith-Marset. And, uh, oh, uh, we got Sue That's talk. a lot, Anthony, if they're asking yeah. that. No yeah. way. Yeah, no way at all. Considering the level of play he was at last year, but um, but yeah, um, hey, I you know Amir Smith Marset that was a bit of a surprise. The fact that they kept Jalen Naylor even over him, um, and Amir Smith Marset was going to be our looked like a, our fourth wide receiver with BC Johnson going down. But I, I don't think that they would have made this move if they if Keenan McCardell, the Vikings wide receiver coach, wasn't on board with it. We know Keenan McCardell, uh, or we've heard that he was very pounded the table during the draft day for Jalen Naylor. Uh, so if Keenan McCardell was on board with trading for Jalen Rager, cutting Amir Smith-Marset, then I am too. Uh, I guess that's that's where it comes to. And, and we'll kind of get into this a little bit later on about the, the, the pros and cons to bringing in Rager as opposed to cutting Amir Smith-Marset. So that was the, the two big surprises. The only other really surprise for me, a slight surprise, not a big surprise, was that they cut Blake Lynch. And uh, I like Blake Lynch. He made some plays when he played last year. Not the biggest linebacker. Maybe they didn't feel he was a good fit. I like him more than Troy Dye, who they kept. But in the grand scheme of things, not really a big deal. And all the other cuts that were made, David, you know, the Kellen Mons, the Wyatt Davises, the Zach Davidsons, the Jalen Twymans, the TJ Smiths, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, no big surprises there. I had Mond some of these making... Guys. Yeah, I had Mon making the team as a third quarterback, but as the week went on, it looked like that wasn't happening, and it didn't happen. We were going to try to put him onto the practice squad, but he got picked up by the Browns. Uh, good luck to him there. Uh, maybe Kevin Stefanski can get more out of him than we did here. But uh, anyway, again, no great loss. Uh, T.Y. McGill, he was a uh, initially him getting cut was a bit of big surprise to me but then we learned the ankle injury they're putting him on the IRR he's done for the year so if he hadn't have been put on the injured reserve would he have made the team it's hard to say right now uh but um yeah we both I thought so that he would have been that sixth interior defensive lineman um but they stuck him on IR with no chance of return the only thing is he may get healthy in He's supposedly got a high ankle sprain uh, in six weeks, two months, whatever. 
And at that point, you'll probably see a release for injury settlement where he gets paid those weeks worth of his salary. Then he becomes a complete free agent and can not sign for the rules back with the Minnesota Vikings. So for all. I don't know what more. Yeah. I I don't know what more. Yeah, I don't know what more he could have done to make the team in the two games that he played and in the in the in the training camp that he had where where his name kept being brought up. But again, uh, I think the the coaching staff, the defensive coaching staff, Quasi Adolfo Mensa, maybe they felt like T.Y. McGill is in his eighth season. He's jumped around. This is as good as he's going to get. He's not a starter. The upside isn't there. We're going to take guys with more upside in most of the cages and then keeping a T.Y. McGill, who's a journeyman, who's, you know, his development is again, what we've seen against backups is the best we're going to see out of him. So that, that may have been, you know, maybe he wouldn't have made the team any, even if he hadn't had a high ankle sprain. Uh, But, but yeah, so that's, I think the, you know, so cutting down to the 53, not a whole lot of surprises, but there, you know, there were, you know, there were no surprises that we made. Uh, The surprises that were, 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 you know, big surprises, I think in a way, Uh, but um, you you know, it's been brought up by other Viking fans so far, like the kind of the overall thing to notice about the whole cut to 53 was the the major, major call that Kwesi Adova Mensa did with Rick Spielman's 2021 draft. Like he got rid of seven guys from of the 11 from the 2021 draft. And he also kept nine of his 10 draft picks from the 2022. And now did Jalen Naylor or, uh, you know, Asazi Otomaweo, did either of those guys really do a whole lot in preseason training camp to deserve being you know, on the squad as opposed to some of the other guys that got cut? I would say no. But if you're a first-year GM, this was your first draft, and you start cutting three or four guys from that draft in your first draft, people are going to start asking some questions, you know, about like, you know, do you really know what you're doing? And yeah. so, uh, <laughs> and so it, where it was kind of a coin flip or maybe slightly would have given the edge to somebody like uh, somebody from last year making the team over some of his draft picks, I, you know, obviously, Kwesi Dovermintz and the coaching staff decided to go with their guys as opposed to Spielman and Zimmer's guys from previous years. And you're going to see more and more in that, I think, as the next next offseason and the offseason following occurs. Like there's going to be more of a churn on the bottom end of the roster and some of the top end of the roster too, of guys that weren't picked by Quasi Adolfo Mensa and weren't given the blessing by this coaching staff. And uh yeah, it's going to be like a like it'll be a totally different roster in two years time from what it is right now, probably. I agree. And especially some of as not only on the bottom churns out, but the top, as you said, when they start needing cap space, which they'll need some next year, how they make that and how some older players are, you know, thanked for their service and released so that they can generate that cap space to bring on new players and draft new people and rebuild the squad in their vision, right? Versus the, Zimmer Spielman vision, and and yeah, like the, the one of the things that was mentioned after free agency was that you know, when everybody was expecting a blow up of the roster and there really wasn't one, and they're like, well, 
you know, there, there really isn't a whole lot of difference in this Vikings roster compared to the one in 2021. So why do you think that, you know, again, what's Kwesi Adolfo Mensa really doing there? Well, we're starting to see with the 53 what he's doing. And, uh, and yeah, and we'll get into that more in a couple of, uh, in a few minutes. Yep. And theme three, Thomas asked about, let's get into the Rager talk. We'll get more of that in the theme three. And in theme two, which is next... Laid on the buttons today. There we go. First thing we're going to do is talk about the Russ Ross. I keep wanting to say Russ Ross Blacklock trade. All right. We are because uh, you know that was uh, I think a, you know fairly significant trade that Kwesi Adolfo Mensa made. You're getting rid of one presumed starter and you're bringing in a, a kid again, which we talked about earlier. Pretty disappointing in his first two years with the Houston Texans, but but uh, they are trading for a guy who was the fourth, 40th overall pick in the 2020 draft. And if you read it his like scouting the reports... Sixth in the second round, somewhere in there. Yeah. You know, he's a high, high draft pick. Uh, if you read the scouting reports on this guy from coming in, uh, they were pretty bullish on Ross Blacklock, including mm-hmm. our own Drew Bunting, <laughs> mm-hmm. who was, you know, very, very high on this kid, especially as a pass rusher. Um, and it just hasn't happened to him, happened for him so far the first two years in the Texans. But they brought him, you know, he gets traded to the Vikings. The the Quasi Dofa Mensa uh, it's got a, they got a bit of a Texas Christian University, a TCU thing going on here now. If you, you got Rager, Blacklock, and Austin Schlotman, I believe is also from TCU. But uh, but um, yeah, if uh, with Blacklock, he's right now he's listed as the starter opposite Dalvin Thompson on the Minnesota Vikings depth chart on their website. Um, no, he isn't. But I, I I believe I saw that. Um, oh, I think it's Bullard. Here, let me go. Team. Step chart. Defense. Make a liar out of me. Yep. Uh, nope. Jonathan Bullard is the starter. Listed as the ah. starter officially. Well, hey, I make mistakes all the time, but uh, <laughs> still don't. Just ask don't. your wife. Yeah, <laughs> and a lot of other people at work. But uh, so, but don't let that stop you from watching the show. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think with him being traded and and the fact that he was he's a former second round draft pick, you know the the assumption was that he would be in the mix. Well, he is in the mix as a he starter at defensive end. But um, is he going to be the starter? Really? Again, Jonathan Bullard, as you pointed out is listed as a starter on the depth chart that's not going to excite a whole lot of viking fans doesn't really excite me but uh if uh, you know bullard is a guy who he knows he was with Don- donatel for three years in chicago along with John- vic fanio so a lot of familiarity there with jonathan bullard uh he's knows that three four system very well he's comfortable playing in the three four system as a defensive end uh, he's even though he won't give you much as a pass rusher uh, he's generally considered a pretty strong run defender again i believe that that's one of the main one of the main things that uh, ed donatel values out of his defensive ends in the three four that they can set an edge that they can defend against the run and allow the linebackers to rush the passer and uh, so um i think that you know but bullard is listed as the starter now and he may end up being the starter week one but 
I think uh, one thing that Will, Will Raggett's uh, Sports Illustrated mentioned when he was breaking down the the, the tr- two trades that Kwesi Adolfo Mensa made this week is that the Vikings, he feels the Vikings uh, and Ed Donatel really like what they have in now with Blacklock, Bullard, and James Lynch at the defensive ends. And that you'll probably see, even though Bullard right now is the starter, that they'll mix and match those guys and play them in at, on downs and in situations that really match their talents and their strengths, which is a smart thing to do. So Jonathan, Jonathan Bullard might be the starter, and that doesn't excite us, but it's not like he's going to be playing 70% of the defensive snaps. It might end up being like around 40%. Uh, if that, no, and, even yeah. if that, it's, no, it, th- those numbers would be high. I would say, and this is where I'm going to get into it, a defensive end in a 3-4 is responsible to hold the edge, hold contain on the way to the quarterback, right? That's his whole responsibility. Do not let people outside of him. Um if they do get outside, say a back's going out that way, they transition with them. But the whole idea is to keep contain on the way to the quarterback. If in the running game, a defensive end's first looks are they step into the guy that's across from them, the most likely blocker. That's their first step, right? Is he coming down on me? Where is he putting his helmet? Because wherever the helmet goes, if he's going across, that means he needs to put. You need to push through the helmet. It's the easiest rule to give it. Push through the helmet. The ball is going on that side, right? Is the easiest way. If he comes up, if Bullard is sitting there and looking at, he's in the base, and he's looking. All right, how am I being blocked? And it's it's real simple to tell. Are you being blocked for a run block? Are you being run blocked? You know, is the guy in front of you setting back for pass blocking? And you can go from there. But it's always go through the helmet because that's where the ball is unless you see the other rules. If you see somebody goes across your face in the way of a running back, receiver, quarterback, whatever, right? And then you go with them. But those are the rules. You do that. And in a 3-4 you want to take up that guy so that the linebackers right behind you can fill in the gaps and stop anything that goes. Great. If the running back's coming towards you and you've got the tackle right there, you're on the tackle and you got him, you can shed and tackle the running back. That's great. That's you know good against the run. You want to be able to tackle. You want to be able to stop the run. You want to be able to push when the when the offensive line shoots at you, you want to be able to nullify that and hopefully push back. And then you're manipulating whoever's blocking you to go through to get to the where the ball's at. That is the responsibility of a defensive end in a 3-4 Ed Donatel-style defense. So knowing that, let's look at how these guys do. Last year, we have Armand Watts, our cut individual. His scores last year. The one I want you to focus on is that second one down, that 45.1 against the rush, right? You look at the 70.9 against the pass, 
pass rush that's very, very good. Um, but against the rush, he was 45.1. Does he fit, since he comes from a 4-3 style, where rules are similar, um, was he good against the run? In 2021, he wasn't as good as we'd hoped. 45.1 is not good. Now, everybody can quibble about, well, it's PFF. PFF doesn't yep. know what they're talking about, et cetera. But they're the only ones that grade individually, and it's the only ones we have for reference. But remember that. 45 we point. Know, we also know that uh, – no, no, I just want to say we also know that the Vikings were horrible against the run uh, last year. So yes, even if Armand Watts, Armand Watts wasn't the wasn't the, the only culprit um, – in that he was one of the culprits, okay. <laughs> and and this and this grade uh, corroborates that I believe yeah. it, it, to a degree. So keep that in mind. We're talking about rush defense in particular. We'll look now. Look at Blacklock's grade. All right, his overall grade is not great at all. Um, and his run defense is even worse. It's thirty nine. That's bad. Okay, that's really really bad. Where he does excel is in the pass rush. Now, one of the things that is good about him is that he's a, he's a high second-round pick. He has potential. He has pedigree, whereas Armand Watts did not. Armand Watts was, what, a sixth, seventh-rounder, right? Sixth-rounder. That developed absolutely nine beautifully. Drew, I bet you were. All right. But looking here, we can see 39 against the rush, 66.4 against the pass. Now we'll go to Bullard. Bullard, who is presently listed as the starting defensive end opposite of Dalvin Tomlinson, has a run defense grade of 58.9. Is that good? No. Is it a lot better than the other two? Yes. Yes, it is. Now, his pass rush grade is only a 56.7, which is not good at all either, but he makes up for that in his rush grade. When are we going Very to... Very consistent grades yeah. overall there. When are we going to have the full five-man front, the three, you know, your defensive end, defensive tackle, defensive end, and the two outside linebackers, when are we going to have them on the field most of the time? First down. In obvious run uh, downs, which generally is first down, right, and uh, against obvious runs. The best defensive end by last year's grades, now we're under a new system, right? We're under the Donatel system, but the obvious best grades and against the run favor Bullard. This is where Bullard makes the case to be the starter. Now, in the Ed Donatel system, we're going to be, you know, we have that uh, illusion of complexity and all that wonderful buzzwords. In obvious pass downs, do you think we're going to run a five-man front? Well, no. Of course not. Bullard won't, Bullard won't be there when, when <laughs> He won't all. be there. 
And if we need another defensive tackle there, they're going to bring in Blacklock because he's good at that, right? Yeah. Um, but they're going to pull one of those guys off, and in obvious pass downs, it's going to be Blacklock or if it's or neither of them, and they're going to have a nickel in or three safeties or whatever it is. But they're going to pull those guys. I think that they're going to be used in a rotational basis where if it's run, we're going to see Bullard. If it's pass, we're going to see Blacklock. And I think what they're trying to do is cover – if you could merge those two guys together, you'd have a very adequate guy opposite Dalvin Tomlinson. Dalvin Tomlinson by far is a very, very good defensive end in this league under the 3-5 system. Three tech te- technique under the four three, um, he's very very good. But if you merge Bullard and Blacklock together, I think you have that other guy that is adequate, decent, and could f- f- fulfill what they're trying to do on this defense. That's why I see this move made because Bullard has a better run-stopping capability than even Armand Watts did. I think that's why it made this move possible. That's my assumption on this. One of the things that look when you we're talking about the the defensive end position opposite Dalvin Tomlinson and who's there, one thing that seems pretty clear right now, unless Blacklock really uh, like takes a huge step in his play this year is that uh, I think you consider uh, de- uh, defensive end a uh, pretty early uh, draft uh, selection for the Vikings yes, in uh, the 2020 in the 2023 draft I, I think that the, there was a uh, there was a mention there I think Thomas mentioned it about uh, you know would like to pick up Sheldon Richardson um, I Sheldon Richardson's uh, you know, uh, he's, he's unemployed right now, and that right. seems a bit odd because I thought he played pretty well last year. But the chances of the Vikings picking him up, I think, are less than 0%. <laughs> you know, it you know, possible, else, but like I said, yeah. we're this close to the cap. Yeah. And uh, I, again, he's another guy that may not be a very good fit for the 3 4 because he's, uh, you know, a, he's, he was last year, he was a bit on the. I don't know. I was a bit surprised by how light he looked on the, on the mm-hmm. field, really. Uh, so is he stout enough to, to set the edge and play the in the 3-4 in Ed Donatel's? Uh, and again, like you say, with our slim cap number, would he play for the, the amount of uh, salary that we could afford? Probably not. Um, but yeah. I suspect, and it was stated by one of our viewers earlier, thank you, that if they do pick up another defensive end five technique tackle type deal. It will be after week one when the vested veteran clause out of the contracts disappears. So the, uh, it's a bit of a bit of a switch here, right, David, for Vikings fans. Like we're going to have to start looking at uh, like what, this coaching staff in a three, four is looking for in a defensive end. It's a lot different. It's different than what, than what they've been looking for. Like uh, we've been in a, we were in a four, three for so long. Uh, you know, it was, so what, what your what the Vikings were looking for from their defensive ends under Mike Zimmer, uh, when Denny Green was here, uh, even if you go back to Floyd Peters in the, in the, you know, mid to late eighties, uh, what they were, you know, it, 
in the four three, of course, the defensive ends are expected to rush the passer. That's really you know job one a. They're the one, one yeah. that they're the one that are getting. They're the guys that are getting most of the sacks. When the three four, it's the outside linebackers that do that. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to get adjusted to, and get used to the new reality of what a defensive end in this Viking system, uh, what it does, what they do, and the kind of things that Ed Donatel and Quasi Adolfo Mensa will need, are looking for from those defensive ends. It's a lot different than, than what, again, what uh, we're used to. Agree wholeheartedly. That brings us to the favorite part of the show. Talking beer. Like Monster Brewery. Yes. Beer. <laughs> um, this week, on tap or in pints and cans, Lake Monster Brewery added Last Fathom. And I know that's small. I should have made that larger. And uh, Ted, I want lots of sackles too, but I also want a Last Fathom. It is a Munich style dunkel beer. But what is added to the mash is wild rice. Not just wild rice, but wild rice from Minnesota. It's one of us, right? And I and I asked Matt Lang quite a while ago if he'd done beers with using wild rice. And he said he had. It's expensive because wild rice is expensive. But you use it in the mash. It's one of the grains. And uh, he's brought it back, right? Just for me, I'm uh, I'm assuming I'm taking that as as well. I hope he sends me some because I want to try it. But it, it it darkens the beer a bit. It gives it more of a sort of a nutty sort of flavor. And for a um, you know, a nice beer that's gotta be interesting and it's gotta be absolutely fantastic. And I love it. It's one of us. The rice comes from Minnesota to help make the beer. You got to try it. At Lake Monster Brewing over in St. Paul, right? It's easy to find right across the river from Minnesota. You can get it at all your local places where they sell beer in the Vikings viewing area. But you go over there and you have a great time. Good people. And even at Lake Monster this week, previewing it early. For uh, Vikings Happy Hour, Matt and Ryan will be at Lake Monster doing the show live, talking smack to Packers fans that happen to walk in the building. So not only great beer, you can get your Packer smack talk on at Lake Monster Brewing. Dave, Ted, Ted was giving you the gears about the Bean Sprout IPA, too. <laughs> well, <laughs> pipping wild rice, bean sprout. Um, if it is bean sprout, yeah, could be. I bet it would be good, Ted. I bet it'd be absolutely outstanding. And uh, last reminder, if you're up in uh, Canada, Orleans, Canada in the area, Eastside Jiu-Jitsu is now open for all your uh, private and jiu-jitsu needs <laughs> jiu-jitsu needs and you know just help i mean yoga and yeah. all stuff like that they got women's only classes they got classes for kids etc et et get you, get they your are. downward downward dog going yep, that's right on to theme three 
This is the one we named the show after. How do you like him now? Quasi Adova Mensa, David. Yes. Uh, when, if you all remember back to January when the Vikings, uh, you know, the Wilfs hired Quasi Adova Mensa as our new general manager, I think there was a lot of excitement, uh, at least it was for me, about the hire. You know, here was a young, really smart guy, you know, the Wall Street dude, he was a trader, uh, uses analytics to help him make decisions, football decisions. Uh, he was a fresh face. And going to bring a fresh new approach to the Vikings and how the team was run compared to how it had been run by Rick Spielman for the past 16 years. And, uh, you know, lots of excitement, right? And mm-hmm. and so now uh, he's, Quasi Dova Mensa is overseeing the selection of our new head coach. Mm-hmm. He went through the free agency season, uh, season and selected, you know, went through that went through his first draft where he was in charge uh, and and now he's gotten through training camp and selecting the final 53 for the Vikings for 2022. And so, you know, again, like, how do you like him now? Right. We <laughs> most, a lot of people liked him a lot in January. Do you like him still like him in, in September? Uh, do you think that he's, are you worried about what he's done? Are you and happy with what tr- he's done? He's made a yeah. tremendous amount of moves. In this period, getting the roster to where it is, you know, we've had multiple trades, multiple cuts, you know, beyond what was expected. Um, All of that came, and it's almost like he's an alpha marking his territory. It was Rick Spielman. Now, Kwesi's full end of putting his stamp on this team. It's his. It is his, and uh, you know, with Quasi Adova Mensa, uh, there was again we talked about early uh, about the you know the two big surprises when Armand Watts was was cut, waived. Uh, some Viking fans were I was puzzled and not upset, but I was puzzled and you know why I don't know that that doesn't that doesn't make really a complete a sense, sense. Yeah. Uh, and and then. When the Amir Smith Marset move went down, uh, you know, them trading Jalen Rager for a couple of draft picks, including a conditional fourth in a couple of years, it could end up being a fifth if Rager doesn't meet certain requirements, which we don't know what those are. But, uh, uh, it, it, you know, again, more, a bit more puzzlement and even some people, Viking fans, quite upset with, with this move. Uh, and so, uh, you know, but and and when particularly when the the Amir Smith Marset uh, move was made, I don't know if I was upset, but again I was puzzled and I didn't really like the move. But um, when these moves are made, Dave, I think it's always a good idea instead of don't go on Twitter and react right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about it for a day or so, let it ruminate, look at different views, and then come back and and see what you really think. And I think after a day of looking at it and considering the pros and cons. Um, you know, I think that you look at what Kwesi Adova Mensa did, uh, Armand Watts getting uh, waived. Yeah, he was a player that looked like he had more to give, could be improved. He was improving. Uh, he was young and still pretty cheap, at least for this year. But if you consider, and he was going to, we, we did believe he was going to be one of the starting defensive ends, so one of the starting 11. But if you if you look at the Vikings defense right now, David, you can chime in on this too, was like, uh, where would you is he a more important player than Daniel Hunter? No. 
Eric no. Kendricks, no. Dalvin Tomlinson, no. Harrison Phillips, no. Uh, Jordan Hicks, no. Hitman Smith, no. Cameron Dantzler, no. Um, you know, I would say he'd be the eighth slash ninth most, even Patrick Peterson, he might be the eighth, ninth, tenth most important player on, on that defense. Yeah. On that defense. And just by He's not a guy because you care more yeah. about the linebackers, the secondary, the especially the outside linebackers. And then if you've got two really good guys, which we do, Dalvin Tomlinson and Harrison Phillips, there's an argument to make him the the 11th most cared yeah. about player. So I don't think he's a guy that uh, he's he's not he's not a guy that you cannot the Vikings defense cannot live without. So again, a surprise, but when you look at it in that context, uh, should we be like? You know, not wailing. There should there may be much wailing and gnashing of teeth over Armand Watts getting cut. I don't think so. They, again, the Amir Smith Marset uh, waving and the trading for Jalen Rager. Okay, uh, again, I liked the, Amir Smith Marset's development in the past twelve months. I think that he looked, you know, looked good in preseason. But uh, again, like God damn it, people! Like he had five catches last year. <laughs> five. A, a lot of the time. He wasn't even dressed, and he was going to be right. our starting punt returner. And he wasn't, and he wasn't even very good. At, uh, I had no confidence in him as a punt returner. And when we traded Jalen Rager, that basically took him out as the punt returner. Uh, and I know Rager has been a disappointment in Philly, but he has sixty-four catches in two seasons. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, but, uh, he's, but the catches on Amir Smith's side. The catches were good. He had a 14.5, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. something like that, 14.9 yards uh, per catch, whereas Rager's nowhere close to that. Um, but, but it's such a it's small only, sample size. It's, it's such a sad. small sample size in such limited time. And you're looking at one of the things that GMs as a whole, but we're looking, is already indicating that Quasi is doing, is they go for that higher pedigree, right? First-rounders always have a greater lifespan in the NFL, even if they wash out with their first team because they were a first-rounder. They've got to be good, right? The whole idea, he's a high, and uh, Rager was a first-rounder, right? So the, the perception that there's higher potential, they always go with that. And numbers-wise, it always works out that way, that they do – do better, right? That there is a better chance than the guy that was taken in the late rounds, even though there's some late round guys that turn out to be fantastic. Stefan Diggs, for one, right? Yep. But there are, in the long run, when you do the numbers, the bet always goes with the guys drafted higher. That's why Rager has more of a potential at being better over the long run compared to the entire league history of the league, all that, than Emir Marset does. That also goes the same with Blacklock. When we talk about Blacklock being, you know, traded for, he's that just, you know, barely into the second round guy versus Armand Watts, who's done it from the sixth round. Yeah, and I think that with Jalen Rager, yeah, we traded 
two draft picks to get him. Uh, one is a seventh, which that seven, seven rounders hardly ever make the team anyway. Right. So, you know, that's not a huge loss of draft capital there. The conditional fourth could be, but, uh, but still, if Jalen Rager, he was picked in the first round for a reason. Heading into that draft, he was considered one of the top wide receivers in there. He hasn't met met to expectations, obviously, in Philly, but that doesn't mean I think it's a good gamble to trade what we did to get Jalen Rager in there. It, there's a much better chance of him developing and getting better and being the kind of player that people thought he would be than I think Amir Smith-Marset turning into like the next Stefan Diggs, uh, I, I think. And I think it's a reasonable gamble. And uh, Jalen Rager, yeah, he's had some drop issues, but as a punt returner, he had he punted, he returned 31 punts last year. He his, in his rookie season, he returned a punt for a touchdown. So he's got right. ability even in that role, which Amir Smith-Marset, just, he just didn't look natural catching punts, returning punts, doing any of those things. So I, you know, I think getting Jalar Rager for the price that we did, it, you know, getting to work under Keenan McCardell, who's really seemed to really improve every guy that's been under his charge with the Vikings in the past year, that could unlock Jalen Rager's talents. And also, I, some people might think it a little bit might not agree with me, but I think that Rhaegar getting out of Philly and all the thing, oh, you got picked before Justin Jefferson, you're a bum, blah, 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 blah. Now he's in Minnesota. He doesn't have that pressure. He's like the fifth wide receiver, you know, the fourth wide receiver right now. Uh, and if somebody gets, like if KJ Osborne gets hurt, if Adam Thielen were to get hurt and you got to move, the, the depth chart moves up one spot. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel pretty good about Jalen Rager potentially being your number three wide receiver. Uh, if Osborne or Thielen were to get hurt or out for a couple of games, then I would be if Amir Smith-Marset was that guy. Uh, so, you know, I just, I I think that the Rager move was and cutting Amir Smith-Marset, again, I don't think it's, I think it's a good swap. Uh, it may not work out, but it may very well work out. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know why people are so upset about that. Uh, and all the other moves that were made in the 53, like cutting Blake Lynch and Kellen Mond and all, all of that stuff, Quasi Dovomensa did not, even Armand Watts and Amir Smith-Marset, none of those guys are core guys, right? Right. They're not studs. They're not studs. Quasi Dovomensa is not cut, you know, he's not gotten and traded away to Neil Hunter. He has not uh, waived you know, uh, uh, Brian O'Neill, uh, the, the, the top guys are still there. They're going to be playing. And this roster really is, uh, you know, the, the starting 22 look pretty good. So, yes, they do. uh, you know, I think that if people think that Quasi Adolfo Mensa is a big dope and, uh, you know, they're, they're worried about him, I think let's, Hey, hold off on that stuff. Hold off on the hot takes. Let's let's see how things play out this year and next year too. But you know, I, I don't know. I don't think it's really that you shouldn't really be getting all that upset about Amir Smith Marset and Armand Watts getting waived and not on the team anymore. Exactly. Exactly. No, I think the when I titled this, you know, show, what do you think about Quasi now? We got a big reaction off of Daily Norseman's. Facebook page, which I love. I purposely named it this because it is drawing some reaction. What do you think? He's made some moves. They seem unconventional. ton of normal moves. A few surprises. But it's, as a lot of the responses was, it's too early to tell. 
I think it's I think it's a good thing because he's not taken from you know super important players to uh, whether it be any of our you know Daniil Hunter or whoever he's taken the guys that are on the edges and even Norman Watts we talk about he may be the 11th most important person on that defensive group and that's if you don't count the nickelback um mm-hmm. so it's not that big a deal i don't think he gave up that much in trades rager's the most but rager also has the most upside so i i think i think we're surprised cuz we're not used to this i think it's the big deal um i'm curious overall what you think how did this Getting to the you know the final roster, the fifty three plus the practice squad. Was it a surprise? Um, really, it was just those two guys, David. Really, that again, that uh, well, and then yeah, I think Amir Smith Marset again. Armand Watts would be the biggest surprise, and Amir Smith Marset a slighter surprise. Otherwise, again, everybody on. Um, like in the top part of the roster, we all knew they were all those guys were making the team. Mm-hmm. And you also know that most of the draft picks that are picked this year are going to make the team. Yeah. <laughs> that always happens with every team. Uh, you know, if you, if you start, you know, again, cutting five of your eight draft picks from this draft, uh, uh, you, you're that GM is not going to be employed any longer. I don't think so. No, no big surprises. And I think that the, uh, you know, I'd, I'm happy with how Kwesi Adolfo-Mensa has run things so far, considering the cap situation we were in. And, you know, if, if you look at it, was there really, yeah, people wanted it, everything to get blown up. But if you look at a lot of the players that we have, why would you blow it up? Uh, right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, if you if you better coaching and a little bit maybe better years from a couple of players and your eight nine season suddenly you're eleven and and you know eleven and six right so and in the playoffs and fighting for an NFC championship game I think yeah mm-hmm. uh, it may not turn out that way with football's football you can there's no guarantees but uh, I'm not alarmed by really anything that Quasi Dofamensa has done thus far as our GM. Uh, again, depth is skimpy in some on some spots, but I think you could look at all the other 31 teams in the NFL and pick three or four different units and say, "Hey, uh, boy, we, they don't they don't have much depth there." So I don't think we're any worse on the depth end than most teams in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I want to highlight uh, one of the best. Well, I should say one of the best. One of the, a very good comment here by Brian. Brian says, was surprised to see five running backs and five wide receivers. You know, the more traditional would be four running backs and six wide receivers. Think of it this way, since we're talking about Kwesi. Out of all, out of the players he kept, right, the players he drafted and the players he kept, whether it be, um, we're looking at the running backs, right? Ty Chandler, obviously, is making the team. We know that because he's had such a good preseason. He's run. He runs so well, right? And he can see things open. He can change directions. It is so good. You got to keep him. Well, 
Kenny Nwangu is going to be there no matter what. Alexander Madison is there, even though they entertained trade offers. They didn't get one high enough that they liked. And Dalvin Cook, obviously, is Dalvin Cook, and he's our starter, and he's an outstanding running back. But if you look at at what he drafted and traded for and everything else, if you look in the future, if you get rid of Dalvin because of cap issues next year, Ty Chandler looks to take his place, even above Nwangu, right? Uh, Kenny will always have a place, maybe the backup, whatever, but you're looking at Ty Chandler. Next year, um, if Harrison Smith, unfortunately, has to be let go because of his age and he fell off a cliff this year, you have Lewis Seen taking his place, right? Um, and if you go through the draft choices, and the folks we traded for, they all are replacements that step into place next year, right? He's looking towards the future. Everything fits, even down to the punter, right? And number 66, Mr. Wright. And I wish he could Not for him. long. Not yeah, for long. Yeah, he's going to be wearing number 14. I wish they would have. <laughs> petition to keep the 66 he should have been um but all that if you look at every single one and then go how does this apply to the future you've got you know asamoa that may replace um kendrick's scene that may replace harrison smith you have ty chandler that may replace dalvin cook right you've got everybody there that can replace up into a quarterback. You don't have that uh, backup quarterback yet. But um, it all fits that not only is it for this year to stay competitive, it's also for next year and the year after to build up these guys that are going to be aging out because literally they're coming to the ends of their careers. So this year you keep these the older vets that are absolutely good and legends and Vikings land, right, like Harrison Smith, but you make them possibly expendable in the future. Same goes for Adam Thielen. However, Adam Thielen will be with us next year because of this contract. Um, but two years down the road, he may not be. And all this looks, if you look at it in that scope, you can see what Quasi has been doing. And I think it's outstanding because he's not doing it for just now He's doing it with long-term vision, unlike what I think some of the moves that Rick Spielman made. So I give my my hat off to him, and uh, I think it's good so far. So we'll see how it plays out, but I think it is great to see what he's done so far. And, folks, that wraps up the three themes. That wraps up the show for today. We appreciate you watching. We sure do. Yep. And remember, next week, next weekend, is the first official pregame of the regular season. And Darren and I will be talking about the Green Bay Packers, that team from Wisconsin with the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, who's one of the best Hall of Fame bound 
who likes to eat mushrooms and other sort of things and date, you know, women that call themselves witches and all sorts of weird things that he's gotten into, getting weird tattoos and everything else. So it should be fun. Any last words there, buddy? Just like you, I want to thank everybody for tuning in today, everybody for tuning in uh, all off-season in the summer and the slow low stuff. A lot of the same people, a lot of repeat watchers here, uh, which I love. And uh, I'm hoping, I know that Saturday, David, is college football day for a lot of mm-hmm. people. They're watching their alma maters or their favorite teams. And right. so I'm hoping that they will take a little bit of the time out of their college football day to continue to watch this show on Saturdays because uh, we'll be here every Saturday um, talking about the Vikings, uh, what happened during the week, and looking at the game coming up on Sunday or Monday or Thursday, whenever that might be. So I'm just hoping that we continue to keep up the strong viewership we've had. And again, thank everybody a hundred million times for somehow thinking it's worthwhile hour to, <laughs> to watch to me talk to two about old guys talk about yeah. Vikings football. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm one of them. <laughs> so so hey. thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Over two decades of experience talking publicly about this team. So, hey, what more punishment can you deal out? We're we try we're positive. We think the Vikings are gonna have a good season. Even though I might joke about eight, eight, and one, but we think they have the potential to win the North easily and go far in the playoffs. So I wouldn't say easily, but potential to uh, win it, yes. I think it's easier than you think. Um, well, maybe if, if maybe Rodgers says, "Oh, you're not that old." No, we aren't ancient, but uh, we're up there. And uh, maybe if Rodgers is, what you should do is take some magic mushrooms before the game on Sunday. And that's uh, a great yeah. idea. Yeah, that's I think that's an excellent idea. idea for him. If you see him, like having Thanks hallucinations on the field and having visions, could uh-huh. be good for us. Thomas says, been a fan since 69. That's when I saw my first game. Um, already, Thomas, let's older go. than he looks. Uh-huh. So, what do we always say? We Besides, always say, Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings, and thanks for watching. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, the Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.